Welcome to Talk Purpose and Truth, shifting you into higher consciousness, a show that elevates, uplifts, and encourages listeners to grow, heal, awaken, and evolve. Eden and Kim include bold topics, interviews with inspiring guests, experts, and celebrities, intuitive readings, channeled messages, mental health awareness, and hot topics to expand your awareness. Tune in for unprecedented truth, authenticity, on-purpose discussions, and magical moments. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Talk Purpose and Truth. It's Kim and Eden. Hi, Eden. Hi, Kim. We're, um, this is a special episode that we're doing today, yes. isn't it? Yes, we are, yes. we are very excited. Um <laughs> You know, many of you, we love you, you're loyal listeners for so long now. It's been almost five years and almost 200 episodes, and we have never had a guest or a topic like this. And so it's just really special. So we're very grateful. So I will jump right in. Yeah, um, let's get to it. I want to hear him. Yes, I want to hear his story. Yes, yes. <laughs> okay, so Vincent Tolman, um, he's Vinny. We get to call him Vinny. At the age of 25, he was found dead in the bathroom of a small restaurant. He had been dead for over half an hour. He was later revived out of a body bag, and he awoke three days later from a coma. He will share his beautiful experiences and what he learned about life while he was gone. And then we noticed that it was also the 21st anniversary of when this happened, the day we're recording right now. So yeah. that's extra. That's that's we're we're honored. So um, we <laughs> want to hear the whole story, Vinny. So thank you for being here and welcome. Is it your 21st anniversary right today? Today. Today's my, yeah. and, and I call it my death anniversary. So today's my 21st death anniversary. Yeah. Okay. 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 Do you want to explain that to us? Absolutely. So okay. tonight, <laughs> you know, tonight you get to talk to a dead guy. That's me. Um, I was, <laughs> I was found dead in a Dairy Queen bathroom. I had aspirated. I had taken a toxic supplement. My best friend had taken it as well. But he had passed out in the booth at the Dairy Queen. So they they called 911 and, and hauled him away. And he ended up being just fine. They pumped his stomach. They, he, they kept him overnight at the hospital. But he was released the next morning. But with me, um, I wasn't found until over an hour later. Um, when they found me, uh, I was cold to the touch by then. Mm. And I was clinically dead. The... Emergency services that came that responded, they pronounced me dead. They put me into a body bag. And the oh weird gosh. thing is, is I didn't know it was me, though. I really didn't know it was me. I was, I went straight from being in my body to all of a sudden sitting in this movie theater. That's what it felt. I felt like I was sitting in a comfortable theater seat. And I was looking down, watching this body on the ground. And it, it looked like me. And the guy was even wearing clothes like me. But I was looking down and seeing me right here. Mm -hmm. I was literally looking down and seeing my arms and my body. So I thought for sure that's not me. That's someone else. I feel bad for whoever that is. And so I was just watching everything play out. Watched them bag the body. Watched them put it in the back of an ambulance. And this ambulance crew, they had a brand new uh, guy. He was a rookie. And he was sitting in the back of the ambulance. He was the third man. And uh, he felt kind of left out. He wasn't allowed to do much with this job yet because he was the new guy. Right. But he was he was on the body body duty where he had to babysit that body while they got a bunch of paperwork filled out by the 
the manager of the restaurant and a bunch of the the patrons and and other workers there and and Did, so he's in go ahead. quick question so you're telling us this from is it from the point of view of where you are your spirit your soul is watching or it's yes. you, found, you found so you knew that all of oh, this yeah. oh yeah i watched it all okay. happen yeah okay okay so i watched all this happening i watched um this rookie like feel really bad and he started to berate himself in his mind and here's an odd thing when when you're on that side of energy when you're outside your body you hear every thought of mm. everyone wow. of that's everyone. cool <laughs> and so i was sitting there hearing his thoughts and he was he was saying he was thinking things like why am i even becoming a medic why do i even do this if they won't let me make a difference like why didn't we try harder he wanted to do oh, wow. all these other steps or procedures to try to resuscitate the body but they, the other veteran medics are like, that's not feasible because if they're cold and, 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 and the symptoms are there of death, you don't go to those next steps. But he wanted to. He wanted to go to the next steps. He knew he couldn't, though, because he would get in trouble. He waited until the, the two veteran medics got in the ambulance and they drove away from the scene. They were about a block and a half away from the scene when out of nowhere, I saw a light form around him and an energy tell him that this one's not dead oh my gosh i have chills Me too. He, <laughs> he didn't he didn't listen to it though he kind of shrugged it off like no oh. that was your imagination <sighs> but on, only a few feet later he felt it again but this time it was even louder and brighter the light that was around him and the second time that that it was told to him this one's not dead he followed it the first thing he did is he broke protocol he unbuckled the straps around the body and he unzipped the body bag and he started feeling around for a pulse. He didn't feel one anywhere, but he wow. knew that that one of the strongest pulses is, is in the femur area in the leg. So he went to go feel in the leg and there in the leg, he did feel something. He felt what felt what would be described as kind of like a shock or a spark. And to him, that was enough. That was enough of a sign that he was he felt it was worth putting his career on the line. If this guy was even potentially alive, he felt it was worth it. So he began to uh, recess the body by putting oxygen in the lungs and hooking the body up to a defib machine. Uh, now, the defib machine, it didn't have any response off the first round. The second round, it gave a single heartbeat. And on the third round, it gave a steady heartbeat. Gosh. And one of the miracles of all this is at this point where the body is revived, it's a minimum an hour and a half at least, maybe an hour and 45 minutes. But the body was revived 100 feet from a hospital, like literally 100 feet from a, a trauma center. So the, the fact that this happened just almost pretty much in front of the hospital, mm -hmm. they were able to pull right into the trauma center and have a team there who was who was ready to meet this body and start working on it. And it was at this point that that they were transferring the body from the medical gurney onto the hospital gurney that they had to like straddle it and strap the body down because it was going into seizures. Oh. And I felt someone strap my arm. And I looked down and I was looking at the strap on from the hospital on my arm. Mm -hmm. And I had this crazy 
fearful moment where I felt like, how the hell did you not know you were dead? This has been your death. You've been watching this whole time. And I, what I call like an egoic moment, my ego stepped in and said, you idiot, how could you not know this is your own death? And it was just absolutely horrible. I felt, I felt so dumb. Oh. And as, and as I was feeling all these feelings, I started to now see every bad thing I ever did in my life, every bad thing. And, but I didn't just see it from my perspective. I saw it from the perspective of those that I did it to, including, oh including like stealing a piece of candy or, or, um, stealing my brother's candy or my, you know, like little things all the way uh -huh. up to the big, all the way up to big things. I saw everything. And I got to this point where I saw everything bad that I ever did, and I felt horrible. I felt like I wasn't worth living or existing. That's what it felt like to me. Mm -hmm. And I had that thought, you're not even worth existing. Look what you did. And I was looking back at all this bad that I did. And as I was doing that, this warmth came over me. This warmth, it started on my back. It started from like the heart space around my back and it started to warm over the top of my being. And with that warmth came memories and it came memory after memory, all the good things I ever did. And there were so many more good things that I did than bad. Good. I'm glad and that as, happened. <laughs> as I was yeah. seeing all these good things and even times where I didn't know I was doing good, I was seeing good that I was doing. And I got to see all of this. And, and as it was happening, I felt this tremendous unconditional love just start to pour over me. And I, I knew that the love was coming from the direction of behind me. So I turned around to see, you know, who or what was sending me this love. And this love is just pristinely powerful. It, it, it can heal all the damage that this life can throw at you. And this life can throw a lot of damage. But I yeah. turn around. I turn around and I see this, this gentleman with a long white beard, very pink skin that glistens like the sand in the sun. And these eyes that they just pierce right through you and pretty much get in and grab your soul. And I'm looking at this guy. And the first thing I think is, you must be God. And he smiled like this big grin. And without using his mouth, he sent back to me, I'm not God. Hmm. And I, my follow-up thought was, if you're not God, then are you Jesus? <laughs> like that was just, <laughs> it was like one or the other or both, you know, I didn't, yeah. I didn't quite understand it. And my fault, that was my follow-up thought. Then are you Jesus? And, and he smiled again and said, no, son, I'm not Jesus. I'm here to be your guide. I'm uh, here to help you go wherever you want to go. I can help you go back to your body or I can help you to go anywhere in the universe. Huh. And that's when I was like, anywhere in the universe? I was like, <laughs> what? I was, I was so excited about that. But then I realized, I was like, but there's this power coming off him. This, this unconditional love. I'd never felt anything close to that on earth. And so I asked him, I said, I want more of that. Where's yeah. that coming from? <laughs> and he explained that that was coming from my home and from his home. And that I could go to our home 
and I could see more of this and, and find more of this. And I said that, well, then there's no decision. That's, that's where I want to go. I want to go home. Mm. And he, he explained that it was going to be a bit of a journey, but he's going to take me on this journey and we were going to go home. So we began the journey. So essentially for three days, while my, my body was in a coma, I went on my journey to home. Yeah. Wow. Well, of and course I we want to know more. So, I mean, that's just, I mean, it, it, it's wonderful too, because it's, it matches so many people's similar stories. Um, and then I don't know if you know, but Eden is a, is a medium. Yeah. Uh, let me, awesome. let me say this. Yeah. I, I, as you're telling your, you're describing your story, it it's filling me up with, with like vindication because I, uh -huh. this is the same kind of thing. Very, very similar to when I channel a spirit and they mm -hmm. come through and they say things just like that. And, you know, I'm still human and, and I know that I'm good at this and I help people, but I still have some deep seated like doubt, I guess that, you know, who am I to do this, you know, and, and to know what, what it's really like on the other side. So this is confirming for me <laughs> the things, <laughs> the things that they do come through with, and it does give people comfort to hear that. But that's you're, awesome. yeah, you're uh, firsthand. You've experienced this firsthand and, and it's just unbelievable to me. It means so much more to me than your average person. I think. <laughs> yeah, 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 absolutely. Um, yeah, I know because even like I've done a lot of sessions with Eden. I do intuitive work, but she's like a gifted medium. And a lot of what I've learned through the years working with her matches what you say. And it has given me so much peace, like and the ability to talk to people, even if they're on the brink of death or going through something scary or, you know what I mean? Like not being afraid of that. Um, so can you further tell us like then what happened? And yeah, did you, I'm so curious, like eventually you'll get to it, but did you have a part of you that wanted to stay there or yeah. did you feel like you missed Not at Earth? all. I, I didn't want to stay on earth. You know, when Drake asked me, I can take you anywhere you want to go. He pointed towards my body where I had just come from. And when I looked there, the body was in full seizure. There was one guy like trying to straddle it and strap it down. And while that was all happening, I, it just felt like hell. I felt if there was any hell there, that would have been hell to go back to my body. So to me, there was no question. I didn't want to go there. I wanted to go towards this love energy. And I was, I was so intrigued by this love energy mm. because I was, an, I was a fairly abused kid in, in so many different ways. Mm -hmm. And this abuse was showing up as cracks in my soul. And this love was just feeling in all these cracks. And I didn't understand that. Like, how was that possible? The damage was gone. A, life, a whole lifetime of damage gone like that so fast. Because With, this, yeah, the love. Because of the love. The love is the answer. It's the answer to everything. So to yeah. me, that there was not, no question. I wanted to go with him. I wanted to go with him to my home, to his home, our home. Yeah. So home being in the in spirit spirit the afterlife, mm -hmm. the afterlife, not physical home here. Yeah, the, not physical home because here's oh. not a home. Okay, okay, that's what I, I wanted to clarify. That okay, so that was your choice. 
Yes. So you that was you, my you, choice, yeah. you you did want to stay there where you yes. where you were. Okay. But also there where I was was not home yet. He was showing mm-hmm. me that home would be a journey and it would be a journey of distance and understanding that I would have to go with him and gain new understandings for me to be able to get to this this home, this place that he was calling home. He yeah. deemed it home. I, I just accepted whatever he said because I was I was such a novice to this whole process. I had no idea that this was what heaven would be like or or what dying would be like. But it was amazing. Absolutely amazing. Did yeah. was there any feeling for you of um because it didn't seem like you hesitated in any way, I just want to go where the love is. Um, you didn't did you at all think about your loved ones that were here in the physical? Not even them. Not even for a second. It was not even, it wasn't even on my, on my options. Mm -hmm. You know, when he asked, where do you want to go? You can go anywhere in the universe. The first thing I thought of was like, well, there's that. And I saw my body that, and I'm like, then that looks like hell Mm -hmm. or there's the rest of the universe. And then, then the next very next thought I had was, well, then there's this love energy. And I wonder if I could go to wherever that's coming from. And as soon as I had that thought, he helped me understand that I could, I could go home. Yeah. So we began, yeah, we began this process and Drake took me on this like crazy journey (laughs) and I was raised Christian and I was raised really like staunch, strict Christian. I mean, don't take your church clothes off on Sunday, Christian. Um, like you, you, you stayed in the, in the Sabbath mode all Sunday, no matter what. And, and so being raised that way, I thought, well, I have a special back door to heaven. Then mm-hmm. I have like a special VIP, some <laughs> special way for, for me to get right into heaven because I I've learned the right path. And Drake helped me understand. He said, he's like, I love that you feel that. And I love that you have that exuberance about your Christianity. But what I want you to do is I want to help you understand a little bit more. And as you understand a little bit more, you can go a little bit further and then a little bit further and then a little bit further. So I begin that process of, of learning, really learning and, and, and going towards this home, this heaven space. And uh, so as soon as we began that journey, I, I was almost like rolling my eyes. I was like, Drake, I know it's all about love. Love has got to be the most important thing. And he started laughing. Like in a loving way, he laughed with me. And he said, no, actually, love is love is vitally important. And he's, he explained that love is the fuel that makes the whole universe run, everything in the universe. But that it wasn't the most important. That first and foremost, before I could give or have love, I had to feel authenticity <laughs> and authenticity was the most important thing for me that I needed to figure out who I really was, not who I thought I was, but who I really was. So he, he had this process of helping me do that, peeling away all these aspects of myself that I had. And I, I truly did have a certain personality that would be with my family, a different version at, at work a different version at school, a different version at the gym, a different version on dates with girls. So I had all these different versions of myself out there. And he helped me understand that there was one core to all of those beings. 
And that's who I really was. So I peeled off all these masks, all these personas I had to allow myself to be authentic and be my real self. And then from there, he helped me um, know the reason that I came to earth school. Before you was, continue. Yes. How, how long did it take when you said you peeled the masks off? Was that like Inst a like, uh, instant? Like a yeah. fraction okay. of a second. Yeah. Very so different. Very, very different than here. Okay. Yes. Here, yeah. here, I think that would take a long time. Yeah. There, as soon as I could realize that that was a false, pre a false part of myself, mm -hmm. I was okay releasing it, like okay. letting it go. Okay. And, and what was interesting to me is that a lot of these I was putting up out of some type of protection, some type of not oh, yeah. wanting, you know, not wanting to uh, feel vulnerable. I was yeah. putting a mask on. So it was, it was really neat. The next, the next thing he needed to teach me is why I was in earth school, why I went there. Mm -hmm. And that the, the, the whole purpose of life is to come to earth school, not earth classroom. I mean, sorry, not earth courtroom, but earth classroom. No judgment. And, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like I, I was coming here to learn, to grow and to get better at something. And that I wasn't coming to be judged and either thrown away or saved. Mm -hmm. where that was a little different than how I was raised. I felt, I felt growing up that the whole reason we were on earth is to be tested. That's, I really felt it was a test and we either passed the test or we failed the test. <laughs> and he explained that, Nope, we, that, that to me, I understood that incorrectly, that, that the purpose of life is to come to the classroom and to not believe it's a courtroom, but in a classroom, you're going to learn. In a courtroom, you're going to feel guilty and you're going to be stuck. And mm -hmm. and that's not what, what Earth School is. It's a, yeah. a classroom. Yeah. Mm -hmm. so, so that's where he stepped up and say, now it's, it's, it's time to learn about love. And as soon as I could be authentic and know why I went to Earth, then I could be ready for love. And he helped me understand that loving everyone was vitally important. And that I needed to understand that every cre every bit of creation was another finger on God's hands. And that our creator, our one source creator, the the great I am presence or the, the all I am or what in Islam they would call Allah or, mm -hmm. or Yahweh in yeah. Judaism. All these different names, it's still the same being uh, or the yeah. same presence. Yeah, that that all of us are extensions of this. Right. And and so he helped me understand that that loving everyone is actually loving God. Mm -hmm. And that we should love everyone because loving everyone is loving God. And in essence, also loving ourselves because we are, again, an extension of God's hand. Mm -hmm. um, but that was that was pretty cool. That was pretty in interesting at that point. Drake showed me that my whole life I had this inner voice. I had a voice inside me. And this inner voice is something that we're all born with. And it's, it's like we are born with a, an umbilical cord connected to our creator. And it's through that cord we get to communicate and feel and, and hear an inner voice. And that all of us have an inner voice, all of us, yeah. whether we believe it or not, we have it. And, you know, he showed me many times in my life when I was warned 
don't go do this. And I still did it. You know, great harm happened to me. Great obstacles came in front of me. And other times he showed me, I would, I would hear, you know, go do this. And I would go do it. And great benefits and great blessings would happen to me. So he helped me understand that, you know, listening to that inner voice is vitally important for our relationship with our creator. And that part of learning to follow an inner voice is to also learn that there are enemies to that inner voice and that technology in itself will become uh, some type of enemy to that inner voice. Hmm. Now, this experience happened in 2003. Back then, technology was in the infancy of what it is today. And, and now it makes sense. It didn't make sense to me. I'm like, how is uh, you know, Yahoo and Ask Jeeves going to replace God for me or replace the inner voice? But now I see it. I see it with what we do when we have any confusion or we need guidance on anything. We all go to Google or we all go use a search yeah. engine, right? And instead of going to our, our inner Google, going to God, mm -hmm. we're going to our outward source, right? So yeah. they show that that technology is going to essentially try to replace God or God's voice in our lives. And the next was to release all prejudice. That mm. The next step for me was to release prejudice. But this one was, was interesting to me. I didn't feel that I had any prejudice whatsoever. I was raised in a, a biracial family, and I felt like I was the least prejudiced person I knew. Yeah, so I felt that... Uh, you know, being raised in the family I was raised in, that I didn't have any prejudice whatsoever. Mm -hmm. So I felt that, you know, that shouldn't be anything for me, releasing prejudice. And that's when Drake, he, he gave me kind of a, a symbolism. And he said, well, if you don't have prejudice, how do you feel about prejudiced people? And he showed like a group of prejudiced people. And I could recognize like two of them because they were people mm -hmm. I knew. And, oh. and when he said that, I, I started to go off. I was mm. like, well, let me tell you about prejudiced people. I hate <laughs> prejudiced people. And, and here's what's crazy is I was describing my feelings of prejudiced people. He took a little effigy of who I was and took it away from the side of non-prejudice. And he carried it over to prejudice and set it down. Mm. And he said, do you understand that by hating prejudiced people, you are prejudiced? and wow. that was like boom like yeah that's huge huge, huge yeah. for me so i i had to understand that that even prejudiced people need to be loved which that's hard to do um <laughs> and he he also showed me one of those people that i knew who was on the prejudice side of things he let me see one of one of the experiences he had at a very young age and why he would frame himself as a prejudice or some type of prejudice from that point forward. And it did, it, it did make some type of sense to me, but it didn't, it didn't give justification. Right. Um, and so I did have a better understanding after that point that yes, prejudice is just some part of, of healing or suffering, suffering better. And that that's what people who are prejudiced are doing. They're just suffering. Yeah. But I can suffer too and be prejudiced if I am prejudiced towards prejudiced people. Man, so I had, I had to release that. I had to release that to him and, 
and 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 let him understand that I was ready to release it to God, give it to God and say, you know what, I don't need any prejudice, even towards prejudiced people. And then as as he he took me forward and closer towards where our home is, he helped me understand that that I have the power of creation, that all of us have the power of creation. And those tools of creation are our thoughts, that our thoughts themselves are the power of creation. Mm-hmm. And what I didn't understand is that the holiest place on earth, the holiest temple you can put yourself in on earth is these temples right here. Mm-hmm. What's going on here is far more important than anything going on out in front of us. And I, and I include great miracles, great wars, great whatever. What's going on here is vitally more important than anything going on outside of us. Mm-hmm. And that's when I realized that, that I have the power of creation because I can choose my thoughts. I can choose to encourage good thoughts. I can choose to discourage bad thoughts. And with that power, I have the power of creation and, and, and that's when he explained that if you have the power of creation, how important it is for you to avoid negative influences. And he helped me understand which influences I had in my life that were negative. I had a lot. Um, some were friends. Some were people I knew or worked with. Some were the, the TV shows I was watching um, or the, you know some of the movies I was watching. It was important for me to recognize if I still allowed that influence, that was my choice. But I needed to start recognizing those influences that were affecting my power of creation. And that, that brought me to the, the very tail end. We were starting to get towards this, this amazing place, this place far bigger than a hundred suns, like so much bigger than what we even recognize the sun to be. And this is the heaven space. It is like a sphere. It's like a, it's almost like a planet itself, but it's a planet without a sun. It's almost like a whole solar system, but it's, it's a planet. And as we were getting closer and closer, he helped me understand that, that as I avoid negative influences, I needed to understand that there was purpose even in those influences. There was purpose in evil, that if I didn't have a, a, a bad choice, there was no reason to have a good choice. He explained that the whole reason that all of us came away from our heaven home is because all of our choices were made already because we love so much synchronistically to our creator. So whatever the creator wants, that's what we wanted. We, mm-hmm. It was very hard for us to have a distinct thought that wasn't a thought that the creator had mm-hmm. as, as being parts and creations of, of the creator, we needed to have our own independent thought. And the best way to do that was to step far, far away and step through a veil of forgetfulness so that we couldn't remember even the amount of love that we have for our our creator. And as we step through that veil, now we are in this place like a school, earth school, where we can make choices. But if all the choices are only good choices, we're still not learning. So we've mm-hmm. got to have bad choices too, and that therein lie lo, uh, therein lies the opportunity to learn. That mm-hmm. Sometimes our mistakes we're learning just as much as the good choices, if not more. And so that there is purpose even in evil on earth, 
But what we have to understand is there will always be balance in everything. And then as evil happens on earth, the corrective action of love and light and purity will correct so far that it corrects that evil. And that's, that's one of the laws of the universe. And, and then as long as I'm, I'm witnessing something evil, as long as I know that there will be a corrective light action and maybe because I'm supposed to take it, mm-hmm. um, but that, that action, that correction will always happen. And then it makes you feel completely different about God because many of my friends and, and my uncle himself had a very hard time thinking there was a God because if there was a God, why would God allow so many bad things happen to good people? Yeah. And, and that explains why. And, the and universe it, always corrects. It does. It always corrects. And what's really great is through that veil of forgetfulness, there's all these angels, there's all these ancestors and loved ones who are assisting us and working with us. And many, many times, and I would say almost 100% of the time, when great tragedies happening from evil actions, there were angels and helpers there to grab the soul and pull it out of the body before trauma so that the trauma could be experienced on the body, but the soul didn't receive the trauma. Mm, and, wow. and, and so that the lesson could be learned because of free agency, the ability to choose between good and evil. But yet there was also this protective element that would allow the soul to not, not receive such a bad version of trauma. And that led me to the last principle. The last principle is that we're all one, all mm-hmm. of us, that we are all one in love and purpose. And, and we are all, again, all fingers on the hand of God. That for me to harm any other human or any other form of creation, for me to harm it is to harm myself, to harm my creator. Mm-hmm. And that I need to have love, honor, and respect for all things. All things in creation, I have to have love, honor, and respect. And as I can have a better embodiment of that love, honor, and respect, I can be closer to my creator. And then as that happened, we touched down in heaven. Um, literally, my feet hit grass. And I was, I was very impressed that I, number one, had feet. <laughs> number, number two, because you think you die, you must be this like, wispy spirit and yeah you know for some reason in my mind i thought that once you died you wore like a white gown and mm-hmm. maybe maybe you were carrying a harp i, I didn't really know <laughs> I, just, I just knew that that i was probably going to be wearing a white dress or something and and i wouldn't have feet you just you don't see people's feet when people uh, uh recreate the heaven experience in in tv and movies mm-hmm. so i'm looking down and i see my feet and i see my feet touch this grass and I felt like the two came together like this. I felt like the, the grass came up between my toes and it became one with me. Mm. And as it became one with me, I could feel the strongest energy of love. More love than I'd ever felt in all my life combined in that first second of touching that grass. Wow. And I felt that every blade of grass had a supreme intelligence a supreme consciousness to it and that together it worked in a team to do what it did. And what it did is it glorified the love that was everywhere and it amplified the love that was everywhere. And this grass, it had millions of shades of green and, and like light yellow and 
it actually radiated. It radiated like waves of color coming off of it. And you could actually smell and taste the smell of this grass. And the, the coolest thing is the grass itself actually played music. Like there was a there was a symphony of energy coming off of the grass. So even to plug into it, I was hearing this beautiful music of what the grass is. And I'm just sitting here experiencing the grass and Drake is kind of laughing. He's not <laughs> laughing at me, but like always, he's laughing with me. And he's like, if you think the grass is great, you should see the flowers. <laughs> and I was like, there's flowers? What? And, and, and instantly, he brought my consciousness from right there, you know, working with the grass. And then, bam, I was experiencing a flower. And I was experiencing it as if I was a bee, like down yeah. close and personal. Yeah. And I was getting really close and, and feeling the consciousness of the flower and feeling the healing power. And here's what's really cool. It was like a tulip type flower. And everywhere that the head of the tulip or the, bold, the, the blossom of the tulip was, there was like radiating love coming out of it. And it was like, it kept hitting over me. And I could feel that I felt like I was in this, a, a car wash of heaven. Like the grass started the process. The flowers continued the process. And then Drake asked me, he's like, do you want to see the trees? You know, there's trees. And I was like, there's trees. And and that's when I started to plug into the trees and see that all of them are networked together as one organism, but yet they were so pristinely in uh, in you know distinct to each individual consciousness. And that's when um, the water actually started to approach me, and it approached me at my feet, and it asked me like the water actually asked me do you want us on you? And I said, yes, I do want you on me. And so it started going up over me from my toes first to my feet, my ankles, my knees, uh, all the way up till it covered to the very tip of my head. And then it started to, to recede back down. But as it completed itself, I felt like I knew now what they were doing on earth when they did baptism. Oh. I, I felt that this water... As it, as it came up and went over me, it took every little hairline fracture or damage energetically that I had. Mm. And it just, it mended it. It healed it. And it healed it out of this pristinely um, distinct love for me. And I didn't feel worthy of this love. I, none of us could. I feel mm -hmm. like we, we could have been the perfect person and still not be worthy of this love. Mm. And as that water poured down off of me, I just was sitting there for a few seconds. Like, how is this possible? How, how can there be so much love in one place? Mm. And that one single blade of grass has more love than the entire earth combined. <laughs> there is so much love there that it's, it's almost indescribable. Mm -hmm. That's why it was really hard to write my story in a book mm -hmm. because I couldn't get into the words for many years. Yeah. I couldn't. And, and so as this is all happening, Drake, he's, he's just kind of looking at me like a proud father almost. Mm. And he's, he's so excited to see what's happening to me in my own transition and healing. And then he says, Vinny, this is going to be really hard, but it's going to be worth it. 
And he pulled me in to give me a hug. But what I didn't realize is what they give there is so much better than a hug. Mm. As he pulled me in, the core, our hearts, as they touched, we became one light body. And with that touching of the two cores to each other, it was like a pulsar. It was like, boom, like a huge expansion of love energy. And I could feel like waves of energy flowing off of the two of us hugging. And I could feel an amount of love that I didn't know was possible in, in, in all the universe combined. I just didn't know that love like this existed. Mm-hmm. And I was feeling the healing power of, of this love that Drake had for me. And while we were in this hug, I started to hear in my ear the words of my brother, my, my earth brother. Mm-hmm. He was giving a special prayer over my body. <clears throat> and as he gave that prayer over my body, I was, I was hearing him say the words, I bless you to be made whole. <sighs> and I bless you to come back to your body. And as he said that and completed that prayer, I felt uh, the strongest pull. It pulled me out of heaven. It pulled me completely away from that place. It didn't wow. give me a choice. It, it completely took my choice from me. Mm. But it was such a strong love pulling me out of there. I couldn't resist it. I had to allow it. And um, I did fight it in the beginning. And um, I ended up waking up three days later after I was in a coma, brain dead. Um, you know, my death day was the 18th. I woke up on the 21st at 1.11 in the morning. <laughs> and I, I woke up to a, a new world. I was a different person, a different being. And the first thing I could feel was I felt like I was a, a huge whale put into a sardine can. I felt extremely claustrophobic in the beginning. I still suffer with that a little bit, but, mm-hmm. but uh, I felt extremely claustrophobic and I, I had to take everything off me. I took all the sensors off me. I took all the life support equipment. And if you've seen mm-hmm. someone on life support, there's all sorts of wires and tubes and, and, and they're coming out of everywhere. I gave mm-hmm. every, everything off of me. And I stood there for a few moments, just gasping for breath. And as I stood there, I realized that I was, I was in a place that I didn't want to be. Mm. And um, I knew I wanted to get out of there. I wanted to go, I wanted to go home. <laughs> mm-hmm. And so I began my process of trying to check myself out of the hospital. And six hours later, I did. I got checked out of the hospital. I went home. And uh, I, for the longest time, I was really suicidal. I wanted to go back. Yeah. I wanted to go to my real home. And so I started looking up again. We, we didn't have Google back then. We had Ask Jeeves. That was like <laughs> a real thing. Yeah. So yeah. I was all typing on my computer. I went to Ask Jeeves and I, I looked up the most dangerous jobs. And one of these insurance companies out there had a list that if you had these jobs, you could not get life insurance because it had such high fatalities. Yeah. One of them was like underwater welder. And oh. I would have had to have been a Marine for four years just to start that job. <laughs> I wasn't a Marine. <clears throat> so I knew that was off the table. But number two was to be a king crab fisherman. And so I did a little bit more research. I found that you could go and apply to join a boat in Seattle, 
So you join, you do a, a test in Seattle, and if you pass that test, then you do another test in Anchorage. So I did all that. I was I was starting to get this process where I could have a dangerous job, and with a quick a quick slip on the deck of a boat, yeah. I could be back. I could be back in heaven. Oh my and gosh. I was making all my plans when I met my earth angel. Hmm. And my earth angel is Andrea, who's my wife. Uh, and she 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 let me get a little glimmer of that heaven love, that little a little glimmer of the heaven light that I saw there. I saw through her eyes. And that for the first time until I met her, I I didn't want to even wake up another day. I wanted to just go back. And as soon as I met her, I wanted to start waking up every morning. Mm. Um, and you have kids too, right? We do. We've got two amazing kids and we've had, you know, been married 21 years. It's been, uh, it's been awesome. It's, it's not a dream, but it's awesome. <laughs> and I, I think that this means that you, in order for you to, to have met Andrea and experienced love like that on earth, um, you had to go through all of that, the whole process in heaven. I would to, agree with to, that. To let Absolutely. go of all of those mm-hmm. things, because otherwise you would be here and never experience that. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. I, I feel that totally. And, and and another cool gift was right after I met Andrea, she made me go to my family reunion. And that was not huh. my speed. That wasn't my style. And I went to this family reunion in a little town in Wyoming called Afton, Wyoming. We went to the high school there. They were doing a presentation on the history of the town. And up on this big movie screen comes a picture of my guide. Oh, and of Drake, Drake. Of Drake. Yeah. And I didn't, I didn't see it. Andrea saw it, but I was describing him so much because I wouldn't stop talking about it. Mm-hmm. I was, I would tell anybody and everybody about it back then, and at least anybody who wouldn't judge me or listen to me, which was very few people. She was one of them. She didn't judge me or 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 look down on me for telling her. So I told her everything I could about Drake. She felt like she knew him. So when she saw that picture, she goes, that's your guy. That's Drake. And, and I, I turned and I'm like, that's not him. And then when I looked, I, I like froze. And then my, my legs like turned into water. And I, then I was like, that is him. I couldn't say it, but I, I was feeling like I wanted to scream. That's him. <laughs> But the problem was it didn't say his name was Drake. It said his name was Charles. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, what the hell? How come this? Why is that inconsistent? Why is that wrong? But I recognized his last name. It was the same as my grandmother. Oh, so he and was a family member. So I did. I went, I w- we went right there to my grandmother's house. And I said, Grandma, tell me about this Charles, this Charles in your ancestry. And, and her follow-up re- response was, you mean great grandpa Drake? I can tell you all about him. Oh my <laughs> gosh, chills again. <laughs> <laughs> and after that, after that, I was floored. I was totally Oh my floored. gosh. He he kept his middle name very private. And he mm. would use he would use his middle name to his friends and to his family. Because he did do government, he did very professional things. And he also was a, a clergyman. He was one of the first clergy mm. in the in the little town of Afton. He he kept his proper name for his clergy work he kept mm-hmm. it for his his business work but his his actual name his middle name that he went by drake that was only for friends and family so um 
even that was so awesome. Oh, like even wow. how that all played out was amazing and amazing. Confirmation, wow. huge confirmation. Yeah. yeah. And, and up until that point, I did have this little voice inside me saying, you're delirious. Uh, you know, I had a neurologist tell me that my imagination was going to make up a bunch of things. And then I needed to make sure I didn't believe anything that it was going to make up. Um, mm. And so I had this side of me that's like, eh, maybe not. I don't think this really happened. But as soon as I saw that picture of Drake Confirmation. And, and then heard it, that his actual name that he went by with his friends and family was Drake. I mean, it was wow. just, yeah, wow. it was, it was uh, life changing for sure. Because Very. now I, now I couldn't deny it. Now I couldn't say it was a delusion. I couldn't say it was brain damage. I couldn't say it was oxygen deprivation. I had to go with it. I had to take, take the reality of it that this really happened. And I needed to learn how to live with that now. And that's mm -hmm. what I've been doing for 20 years now, 21 now, oh my 21 years. Yeah. Thank you so much for sharing. That is like a powerful story. And, you know, it matches so much of what we know. Um, and so it's extra confirmation for us as well. Um, and I, I don't know if Eden thought of this or not, but I'm telling it. We only have like six minutes left. Um, I'm telling it super quick. But Eden and I channel Prince, artist Prince, after he passed. And it's a long story that our listeners know about it. But one time before before we really started regularly channeling him a lot, he had gotten to a level that sounds very much like what you saw with the colors. And and he says, Kim, go get your Hawaiian totem statue. And Eden had never been to my house. And I'm like, I do have one. So I get it. And he's like, you hold it. Eden, you close your eyes. At the same time, I'm going to say go. You guys close your eyes and you're going to see and feel what I feel here. So we both did it for a few minutes. And... We said, okay, we're going to say one, two, three, and we're going to say what we saw and felt. And we both felt this. That was like the biggest indescribable joy I've ever felt in my life still. Bliss. Bliss. Mm -hmm. We saw all the colors like you described. Um, mm -hmm. We saw Prince there with balloons. Balloon. Remember that? He, he looked like he did in Purple Rain. We both saw the exact same thing. I'm getting all these chills again <laughs> right now. Um, <laughs> but anyway, it just, you're just is so much confirmation but it's all just so beautiful and it just you know it makes me even more motivated and inspired to be on this path of helping people be in more of the vibration of love that's what this podcast is about um because we're short on time i would love for you a couple of things um we want to know did you ever contact the paramedics I did. and then also about your book and what you do now okay so yeah i did talk to the paramedic i went to lunch with him mm. i tried to i tried to beg him to buy him a car, do something to make up for this great thing that he did for me. He, he actually thanked me. He said, Hey, I got, in a, I got in so much trouble from that. It, it encouraged me to become a fireman. I'm going to become a fireman now. Um, and, and so he, he did end up becoming a fireman and wow. he, and I'm sure that he's doing well now. I, I have lost touch with him. Hmm. So if you're out there listening, I want to, <laughs> <from> you. <laughs> you want to do a but, shout out? What's his name? <laughs> and so, so I have to actually go back to the, the record to pull the name. Yeah. Uh, it's, okay. been that, it's been that long. Okay. Yeah. I, I do know though that, uh, last that I had heard from, uh, him, this was about 17, 18 years ago. He was like actively climbing the ladder of leadership as a fireman. So Amazing. I, I feel he's, he's probably doing really well and probably ready to retire soon. Who knows? Mm-hmm. But you know, um, yeah. So that's that's my experience. I I did do a book. Um, it's called The Light After Death. It's on Amazon. It's on Audible. 
I had, I, I was just telling my story verbally for about 15 years. And I had so many people coming up asking for a book version. I finally did it. I was trying to write the book version for almost the entire time, but I felt like I wasn't doing it justice. I felt like I was downgrading it by trying to write it. Mm. And, and finally the amazing gifting, uh, talent of Lynn Taylor. He's my co-author. We were able to get it, get it expressed with not downgrading it, but giving it due diligence and giving it the, the justice it needed. Mm-hmm. And um, what I do now is I'm, I'm a coach. I teach people. I teach them how to connect to their higher self. I teach them how to develop whatever they want to develop in themselves. And, and essentially, I help them find a higher path, find clarity, yeah. find purpose, find why they're here, what's their natural gifts and talents. Or I have some CEOs that I, I work with in, the, in, in a couple of different industries. They just have big decisions to make. They want a little outsider uh, information. They want someone to give them a, better, a spiritual perspective or mm-hmm. someone from the spiritual perspective to give them uh, some guidance. So that's what I do. I, I do all of that through my nonprofit, Living God's Light is my mm-hmm. nonprofit. Um, we're a spiritual education and training uh, organization. We help people take whatever religion they're on and become better at that religion. And if somebody's an atheist or an agnostic, we help them become a better atheist or agnostic. Like we, we want them to find a better way of being. Mm-hmm. And, and to me, that's, that's what my, my mission is, is to help others figure out that this life is just a quick school. A quick, a quick little pit stop and that life went long before we got here and it's going to go long after we leave. And it's important we make some good decisions here to secure ourselves some great futures. Yeah. Wow. Well, I have like 20 more okay. questions, but we'll leave it. Up. I know. <laughs> I got a few more minutes. I actually have about 12 more minutes if you want, if you want to ask questions. We unfortunately Scott has to go, so we oh, okay. can't. <laughs> no worries. Yeah, so yeah. What, what we could do is we could schedule a follow up with this and maybe open up to your listeners to send in some questions. Oh, Scott and... said he's good. Let me go a couple more questions. Okay, cool, awesome. Oh, Let's do it. Um, go ahead, Eden. Well, um, one thing is I wanted to comment on that you talked about music that there was like music playing with the grass. Yeah. Um. I went some a lot of times when I channel, they do come through and they say something about music, songs, and it's never really made sense why they say that all the time. But now it helps me to maybe understand it's because they're saying that there's music there. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if that's is that Abs- is that it does. So so if you you know if you go back to Nikolai Tesla. Everything boils down to frequency and sound. Uh-huh. Um, you can walk into a room and a room full of people discussing something. It will have a resonant frequency and you can play up and down the tonal chart until you find that resonant frequency. And uh-huh. if you play that resonant frequency in that room, every single person in that room will stop talking because uh-huh. it's you, you, you get a hum where the whole room starts to vibrate or oscillate, right? And it, it's, it's not just with us humans, it's everything has a, a frequency and, or a sound. Everything does. 
And, and you know, when you study the atomic structure of anything, the atom uh, is always moving, right? So there's always movement, even in, in fixed structures like a rock or a stone or a piece of iron. We think there's nothing moving. Everything's moving inside that thing. So uh, as we learn about that frequency and learn about the sound, we, we start to get a memory or a remembering or coming back into memorying um, that that's where it all started, that creation starts with sound. And that when, when the universe started to be built, it, was, it started with a tone, with a frequency first. And, and that's how it started, started to build. And when you get there, it's still humming. It's still going off. And it's, yeah. like, it's like a concert of light. Everywhere you go, there's another frequency from this, another one from this. I even saw a building. I mean, I, I could take an hour just to talk about this building. <laughs> But the building itself had a resonant frequency that was coming from it, and it was alive. Like the building itself had consciousness and intelligence in it, and it would open up for people that could match the frequency of the room they wanted to get into. And as soon as they got in, it just sealed itself again. So it's it's just so cool. Like here's the thing, though. All of these things that are going on there, they go on here just a lot slower. Um, it's, it's almost like we are the ox and they are the, and heaven is the hummingbird. They're, they're just living at, com even though they live near each other, they're in completely different places. Yeah. So that's you, why, uh, sorry. It's okay, go. <laughs> that, that's why I always like feel that everything is living and I talk it to is. things. I, I, and I feel mm -hmm. sorry. I feel sorry for things, and I, I didn't understand why I would, but maybe uh -huh. I'm like that too. Yeah. Well, ask a guy who owns a bunch of cars, and yeah. every every one of those guys or girls that owns a bunch of cars will tell you this car's name is this, and it, mm -hmm. this is the personality, and it doesn't make sense because you go drive that same car that someone else owns, and it's a different way of driving. It's a different personality. And it's true. There is. There's energy and there's life in everything. Okay. In everything, there is life. Yes. Consciousness. Yes. I I wanted to ask. So when you were there, did how did it feel? Like, did it feel different than being in your body? And like, did others around you have feet and a body, or was it all different? Like, how was that? Did people so the, have clothes on that too? They did. We so. <laughs> Everybody had clothes on, but you could tell the people that were journeying, they essentially were wearing the clothes they had just had on. Uh -huh. um, and, and it's almost like they were wearing the energetic clothes that they crossed over in, right? So even though I had, I had died because of aspirating, that, that means that I would have vomited all over my shirt, all over my yeah. chest. My shirt was clean, and I was looking down at the shirt that I wore when I, was di when I died. So, you know, energetically, you, you appear with clothes, but over there, they're wearing clothes too, but the clothes are significant. So what they're wearing shows you what they're doing. So each job there, each job had a specific clothing, each color had a specific ranking to it. And there is like a hierarchy and a ranking there too, mm -hmm. which is really cool. And even the angels, and yes, there is really angels. The angels had their own colors and their own hierarchy, their own ranking. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's why Eden, a lot of times we'll hear like, like Prince would come through and tell us, oh, now I'm at another level. And then another yep. time, oh, I'm at a higher level. Yeah. Remember that? 
Yeah. We haven't, we haven't checked it in a while. And it's not, it's not that one level is more important than the other. It's important you just get through all the levels. It's just oh. kind of like when you learn about chakra energy, the lowest chakra is just as important as the upper chakras. They're mm -hmm. all important, right? So it just shows you where you are on your journey of your healing, right. your journey of yeah. understanding, your journey of expansion. Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. And why were you chosen to go back to the physical? Um, I feel like I was cursed to go back to the physical. Okay. But, but at the same time, yeah, I do feel I was blessed. I feel that me and many like me and, you know, you, some of you might think I'm like some special thing. I'm not at all. I'm part of an organization called the International Association for Near-Death Studies. It's called IONS. Now, the IONS group, I would say more than half of us are experiencers. There's someone just like myself that they crossed over, they had their experience, and now they're telling others about it. And what, to me, what my guidance team has told me is the reason why there's so many of us now is heaven needs a PR campaign. That's our home. That's where we came from. And we forgot about it. It's time to remember where we came from. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. And that's the same I here. That. Yeah. That's what's happening right now for us. And it's, and it's yeah. not that religion got it wrong. They, it's just religion has been handed down so many generations through mankind and womankind. They've really messed it up. And yeah. so getting that PR campaign out there lets you know the real truth, yeah. the real synchronicities, the, the eternal truth. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, wow. Oh, I have one more. And I just okay. wanted to know, because you mentioned that you were brain dead here. Yes. I didn't know anyone could ever come back from being brain dead. So you're not supposed to be able to be come back from that, but you're also not supposed to wake up after like five minutes at all. Five minutes brain yeah. oxygen starved. I, I do have a friend that I worked with in Wyoming because I, I ended up moving to Wyoming and, and you know, living with my grandmother while we took care of her. And while I was there, one of my coworkers, I, I shared my experience and he goes, you think that's something? Let me show you something else. He unbuttons his shirt and he has a, a direct like gut line from the throat all the way down. He woke up in his own autopsy. Oh, whoa! Yeah, oh, so I'm I'm telling you, there's a lot of stories out there. But here's here's the thing. Wow. Back then, even this was 2003, 2004, there wasn't a, a safe place to tell this. Mm -hmm. Now there is. There's the mm -hmm. IANS organization. There's a lot of safe places to tell it, where you're not going to be thrown out of a church or thrown out of your community. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I mean, it's it's just, it's like anything, it's just based on fear, like, and when the judgment mm -hmm. happens, you know, they're just, they're afraid, and they're afraid of being wrong, or they're afraid that they're not following the rules, you know, um, it's the same when somebody refuses to talk about something, because it isn't the content that they're okay with, you know what I mean, like, it's, it's fear. It is fear, and to me, Jacob's Ladder, that's the experience of life. Um, at the very top is love and ultimate love, which is our creator. And at the bottom is ultimate fear, which is the opposite of our creator. Mm. And so anything that is motivating you out of fear, it's going to be hard to climb that ladder using fear. It's like saying, I want to go jump rope, but I want to, I want to carry these dumbbells while I do it. Mm. It's going to, it's going to be hard. It's not impossible, but it's going to be hard. And if you put those dumbbells of fear down, how much better of a jump roper, right? Or how much better of a climber you're going to be. 
So, right. you know, it's just really understanding the elements and fear and love are the two elements of every decision we make. If -hmm. you put your seatbelt on in your car, you're doing it because you love that there's a safety restraint or you're afraid of getting in an accident. Yeah. Right. One of those options brings brings you to a future with you have less accident, you know, accidents possibly. And then the other option is possibly having an accident. I don't know. But but having that fear energy, it completely changes the dynamic. It's important to where you can and where you can choose. Choose the love energy wherever you can. And yeah. it's going to be longer lasting and better affecting for all of us. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's, you know, Kim, sorry. Oh, I think that's why people like us do what we do. We were given the opportunity to do this is so we can teach people how to be the love. Absolutely. Yeah. And, yeah. and here's the thing. I feel that there's, there's light work being done all over the world right now. Yeah. That yeah. these light light workers were born with this work programmed into them, and that sometimes as you grow into it, you're realizing all you're doing is remembering it. It was already programmed into you, yeah. and and um, I highly encourage you know your audience that as they're listening to this and they have questions, send them in, send them in to you guys. Let's get that list, and we'll hit it. We'll hit it live. We can hit it. You know, I don't like to filter this stuff. I like to be open book, authentic as possible. Yeah. I'd love it because this is light work, helping someone remember they are a divine masterwork. Yeah. That's important. And that's what we're doing right now. That's what you're doing. That's what I'm doing. That's what we're both, we're all doing right now. Mm-hmm. I think this is important to mention. So today I had a client, um, we were talking about, I won't say names, but we were talking about this one semi-famous person that was like an enlightened light worker, healer, whatever, like, mm-hmm. you know, healing people doing it really, readings, crystal work, like totally helping people love themselves, all this great stuff. And all of a sudden this person turned on all of that and said, it's evil, everything's evil. And now I am only, you know, in fear of God and like the very, very extreme religious. And so this client, this client of mine says, you know, I tend to think more of the love based, like, you know, worship God in, in all different ways and, you know, love God in all different ways. And, but then sometimes I wonder, should I go the route of that lady? And I said, I think you need to base it on how does it feel? If it feels exactly. like love, if you it wanna, feels heavy yeah. and dark, it's not for you, you know? And and I'm not one to, I know who you're talking about. I love her. Um, her, <laughs> son, her son is still doing the light work. Her son okay. is still doing the light work. Um, but I, I want you to know that, that she was a force to reckon with. She was a beacon of light for the longest time. And then she got wrangled in by a certain religious individual. Mm -hmm. Uh, And, and then she started eating meat or not that meat eating meat's bad, but for her, for what she was broadcasting, Mm -hmm. that was a big deal. And, and it was very uh, out of alignment with what she knew. So it starts with the baby thing. So, so figure out what's working for you and do it. Mm-hmm. Stick with it. And here's the thing. It will get hard sometimes, but that hard compared to the heart of failure or the heart of running behind fear, it's a lot easier to get through the hard stuff when you have love on the other side. Because when you have yeah. fear on the other side, you're always running. You're always mm-hmm. going to be running because there's boogeymen and boogie women everywhere that you look <laughs> when you're using fear. So don't do right. it. I love, by the way, I want to send as much love and light I can to her. Um, everybody's right. on their own path. And sometimes totally. in the in the wheel of the yin and the yang, 
Sometimes we get scared because darkness is coming in. But don't, because what's the opposite of that darkness? The light. So the opposite mm -hmm. to that yin is the yang. So don't be afraid. Let progress happen, and the yang will come around. So it may be that she has her day again in, mm -hmm. in, in that, that light energy. But I'll tell you, she saved, she herself and her husband saved countless animals. Mm -hmm. Countless animals. And just in that work alone, she's going to be fine. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> awesome. I well, we better it. wrap it up. Um, we could just keep going. And me, Eden and I don't usually ever interrupt each other, but we have so many things to talk about with you. We're like, but, but what about this? But what about this? <laughs> <laughs> so thank you so much for all of this. It's just really a beautiful episode. I'm so excited. We're going to actually just rush this one out and put it out right away. So it'll be out yeah. Sunday. Everybody. Awesome. Everybody I'm super excited. Let, let us know. We'll, we'll forward you messages we get. And um, tell them how they can look you up or find your book or find you. So uh, the best is to go to my website, Living God's Light. So livinggodslight.com. There you can find everything on me. Um, they, can go to, they can go to Amazon there. They can go to Instagram there, Facebook, all that stuff. Um, but yeah, livinggodslight.com. That's, that's the place to find me. And, and yeah, I'm excited. I'm excited. I love the the kinetic energy of you, you both, actually all of you. Okay. And as well as um, I can feel when I do interviews, when I do uh, present my experience to people, I am actually feeling how that audience is receiving it as I'm sharing it. Right. Mm -hmm. And your, your audience is very, very positive on this, but they mm -hmm. are going to have a lot of questions. So again, yeah. feel free to have them send the question. I'll love to do a follow up on it. Okay. Yeah, let's put it out there. If there's anyone who has a question, many questions, I think I'll come up with more as well because yeah, of what I do. Yeah, well, what I do, I think it would help me too. But um, in general, if anyone has a question, send them over to us on our Instagram page, Talk Purpose Truth, and uh, we'll get make sure to get them over to Vinny. And, and, and I love this. I want to take the questions unrehearsed. I don't want to know what they are because I like okay. to keep – if I can keep the surprise that there, I keep the spiritual element there. If I start knowing about the questions beforehand, mm, then, okay. e then ego okay. kind of tries to get in and tries yeah. to answer them for me. I don't like that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah right. Well, awesome. Okay. Well, thank right, you so thank much. Thank you so much. Thanks everyone thank for listening. Bye. Have a blessed Bye. night. Bye. You too. Thank you for listening to Talk Purpose and Truth Podcast. Find out more at talkpurposeandtruth.com. And follow us at Talk Purpose Truth on Instagram and Facebook. <laughs>